All right, welcome back to the Audible. It's our every other week time of the year, and this is our every other week. We're back, Kimbo Camper, John Kajemi with you as we do each and every other other week during this off season. And uh, John, good to be back at it a little bit. And uh, we're kind of getting in that part of the year where um, things are starting to get interesting here, here coming in this, in this coming week and moving forward. Well, it's not football, Bo, but it still is on paper because uh, teams that like the Miami Dolphins that are looking to improve to get to that next step. You know, the Miami Dolphins, just a game shy of getting into the playoffs last season. They want to improve on their record of 10 wins. They have to find a way to do that, not only in the draft, but being smart in free agency. And that means getting the right guys. And I think uh, the track record, at least the recent track record for the Miami Dolphins, uh, there's a lot to build on. uh, And there's a lot of positives moving forward. The Dolphins are in a good spot, not a great spot with money, but a good spot. If they can be selective enough to pick the right guys again, I think this could be a great stepping stone to a successful 2021 season. And no doubt. No doubt. Let me remind you, the Audible is presented by AutoNation, America's largest and most recognized automotive retailer. You can save on 100,000 vehicles right now at AutoNation.com. Also, you can watch the Audible every Saturday night, 730 on WFR, CBS4 Miami. And then you can download the podcast from all your favorite, favorite streaming platforms and MiamiDolphins.com. And, John, you talk about free agency. And, you know, uh, we, we've you know free agency has kind of been a hit and miss for this team probably over the last decade or so. But I think you look at what this team did last year after flushing out a lot of, um, you know, a lot of their players and getting a lot of uh, capital when it comes to free agency as well as draft capital. I, I thought they did a, a pretty good job. When you look at the, uh, Shaq Lawson, Emmanuel Ogba, all those guys contributed on the defensive side. Ted Karras, Byron Jones the cornerback, uh, Eric Flowers, offensive lineman. So when you look at all those guys in, in free agency, among some others, they, they really hit on a lot of guys. And, and, and you saw some guys, Landon Roberts, kind of become more effective as the season went on prior to him getting hurt, as well as the other players that, that just kind of grew with this team uh, as free agents last season. Bo, you hit on a lot of interesting points there because the Dolphins didn't go after uh, just, just high-priced free agents last year. They they targeted the defensive side of the football, other than two players, the center and a left guard, uh, to be able to, to try to get pressure in the pocket. They found that with Emmanuel Ogba and the number of sacks and uh, quarterback hits that he was allowed uh, last year. He was you know really visible almost each and every game. And I think Shaq Lawson was a reliable source on the other side opposite of Ogba. So you had that they really good chemistry up front. Byron Jones gets his hands on the football late in the year. He was pretty reliable on the corner. And then you had a guy that didn't miss a play in the middle of the offense in Ted Karras. So, uh, you know, alongside Eric Flowers, who missed a couple of games, I think overall free agency was terrific last year for the Miami Dolphins. Yeah, and I think you touched on it, John, especially on the, on the defensive side, is some of those guys that you got uh, – Ogba, um, Van Noy in particular, some of those guys, they, they can do multiple things. They were able to do multiple things and give you ability to do different looks, that hybrid, if they're calling what they're calling, that defense where they go from a 3-4 to a 4-3, give them different looks, doing that, you know, just kind of guys mingling around, doing all those things. And so I think those, by bringing in those key veteran uh, free agents, they allowed uh, uh, Josh Boyer to really be flexible with that defense because of their ability to do multiple things uh, during the course of a ball game. 
Well, Bo, they were impactful. I mean, they, they made impactful plays. When you take a look at Emmanuel Ogba with a sack and a strip and then a, a teammate and, and Van Ginkle picking up for the scoop and score, when you watch a Landon Roberts on fourth and one crash the line of scrimmage, not only stone the guy, but have a tackle for loss or create a fumble on the perimeter. Byron Jones with interceptions. This was a team effort. And I thought a surprise might have been, you know, in the middle at center and guard on offense. I thought Karras and Flowers really did an outstanding job of staying on the field, number one, but being productive and not allowing those free blitzers or those those inside pass rushers to get a, a really good look at either Fitzpatrick or Tua Tungavailoa. So all in all, this was a solid class of free agency. Yeah, hard to hard to, to overlook, too, the fact that you had that veteran presence with three rookie offensive linemen uh, in that group, having two guys like that that have you know been through the battles and, and seen just about everything, uh, be able to work with those guys, I think, was was another a positive step forward. Well, that was the, the marriage you hope that happened. You, if you're going to draft three rookies, they better blend with the other two veterans that are there. And the rookies did that. You couldn't really tell that they were out of step most of the season. And I thought they did a good job of uh, accelerating their learning curve and being able to play in not only week one, but for 16 weeks and 17 weeks, they did an excellent job. And you have to thank the veterans for kind of getting those guys, uh, their expectation level up. And then the young guys being able to step up to that expectation. Yeah, and here we are, right, getting right on the cusp almost of, uh, of the free agency period. The NFL season begins, uh, I guess it's March 17th. I thought it was 16th, but March 17th is when uh, they That's can start. That's the tampering, Bo. You're a week well, late. on. They've already started probably, right? right? Well, they can start signing them. Now they can tamper all they want. Now they can, <laughs> now they can, they, they can kind of go back and forth, but nothing's, nothing's official until after March 17th. So it brings into question, John, with a with what I thought was really one of the Dolphins' more successful off seasons in the free agency period. You know, let's 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 set the draft aside right now. But in those free agency period, what now do you set your sights on as you go into the next year of this rebuild that really should be the year and is expected to be the year that I think we all agree and most people agree that the Dolphins last year probably. Uh, we're a year ahead of schedule with what they expected to be, which is a good thing. Now it's like, hey, let's what, what kind of cherries can we put on the top of this this Sunday to just make it that much better? And there are a lot of a lot of opportunities out there, John. Well, I, I think Bo, you know, as the Dolphins focused on defense last year in free agency, I still think that it's going to be a blended situation this year with offense and defense. You look at offense, you could probably use a running back. You could use a couple wide receivers. You may want to, you know, enhance the offensive line with one offensive lineman if you're looking that way in free agency. And on defense, you're you definitely need a defensive tackle uh, or two, whether that comes in the draft again or whether that comes in free agency. And you need some help in depth at linebacker. So I would say those are the types of positions you may want to look to if you're a Dolphin fan in free agency. I don't think we're going to get again the high priced wide receiver. We might. I don't think we're going to get the high-priced running back. You may. Uh, I think those guys are available in the draft for much less and probably uh, with a lot more tread on the tires and probably a lot more years of service in a Dolphin uniform that way. But okay. if you can strategically find a receiver that's going to help in free agency, if you can find that linebacker that's going to help in free agency or that defensive tackle, I think you go for it. Yeah. And, you know, and, and, and you don't, you know, you forget that, you know, we've got some guys that lost last season that are coming back. Vince Beagles, uh, you know, he, he should be healthy. He was a good player. You know, he's a guy that, that really has an upside 
uh, there in uh, Preston Williams. You know, he's had those injury problems. He's going to have a chance to come back and see him. He's got to prove that he can, can play. So you got those guys. And then you look out and there's Aaron Jones out there. There's T.Y. Hilton out there. Are they priced too high? Or are they a value buy? All those things are going out there. But I'm, I'm with you. I'm, I'm kind of you know, developed from the inside. Be very, very uh, price conscious when you go into the free agent market. But try to find some of those guys. And I think, you know, I think the receiver position is, is really a position that needs to be really looked at deeply, both in free agency as well as the draft. And I think also the running back spot. I think, you know, it's, you know, I, I, you look at Miles Gaskin, you look at everybody that contributed, uh, you know, in, in the running game, uh, you know, uh, last season. And, it, you know, everybody did their part, but you'd like to have that horse. You know, I would like to have that horse that you can count on every week to be, you know, the, 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 the bell cow, the guy you're going to give it to, you know, you, know you, you can, you can get yards by committee, but boy, there's nothing like having that guy. That's a threat that in the fourth quarter after kind of pounding, pounding, pounding that, um, that, that can do some damage late in the football game. Wouldn't mind seeing that pop up somewhere on the radar. Well, you know what, Bo, my fingers are crossed at number 18 in the draft a couple of months after free agency that you get Najee Harris out of yeah. Alabama. That's the horse, the Miami dolphins. It seems like a perfect fit. Uh, for both whatever offense we're going to come up with in 2021, he's going to be able to do it. So you're right about the receivers. Do you spend so much money after a a Chris Godwin who's going to demand, you know, 14, 15, $16 million, uh, a Juju Smith Schuster, uh, a Marvin Jones out of Detroit might be a little bit less, but, or do you wait because the talent is so rich in the draft this year at wide receiver? And do you spend it at defensive tackle? You get a veteran to pair up with, you know, guys that have played in the league and you get a, a a Davis coming in in his second season at defensive tackle, or do you get a linebacker with experience that can rush the passer as well and wait for the draft to bolster the offense, uh, both up front and at the skill position. So a lot of tough decisions for Chris Greer and, and for Brian Flores this offseason, where to spend the money. You have it. You don't have as much as you had last offseason, but you want to use it wisely because You'd like to keep that draft capital intact because you can really improve this football team utilizing the drafts wisely. Absolutely. Time now for our sit-down amplified by Hard Rock Hotel. And, Johnny, we're going to go to the Scribes. It's the time of year where you go to the Scribes and find out what's on their mind as free agencies approaching, the drafts approaching, and who better to go than a guy who's been around here for a long time. Adam Beasley with the Miami Herald has been covering the Dolphin beat uh, for a long time, as well as anybody in the market, so it's it's good to get a good to get an opinion from those who that uh, who the players don't want to hear their opinion from most of the time anyway. But we're going to do it here. Joining us now on the Audible from the Miami Herald, been covering the Dolphin beat for a long time. Adam Beasley and uh, Adam, welcome to the Audible. Appreciate you joining us. Bo, thanks for having me on. I'm a little concerned because that decanter back behind you there is still a little is still quite full. Maybe you. Uh, Maybe you've been cruising through this pandemic too easily. Here. <laughs> you know, life as a sports writer, you always have to have a single malt nearby, and mine's right on my buffet. There you go. Hey, uh, Adam, how, how long has it been uh, since you've been covering the Dolphins? I started in 2012, so Joe Philbin's first year, Ryan Tannehill's first year. So this will be my 10th season, if you can believe that. Well, 10th season, and I'm, I'm sure there have been no uh, – uh, uh, plenty of twists and turns along the way. This organization over the last two decades have really kind of been snaking their way through a minefield. And, and it seems like, uh, at least seems like over the last couple of years, the new regime that's come in seems a lot more competent than some that we've seen. How, how do you feel about where this organization is 
forget, you know, not we'll, we'll get into the players and stuff, but from organization, organization from an organizational standpoint, from top to bottom, because I think we all know at some point uh, a few years back, there was a lot of like uh, a lot of jockeying for position there. Uh, and it seems like that's kind of been resolved. Well, I think one of the biggest differences is this is drama free. Uh, you, you mentioned uh, maybe some of the past issues from an organizational standpoint. Uh, I think even uh, Chris Greer used the word dysfunction at one point, and uh, you don't have that now. He and Brian Flores and Brandon Shore and uh, all those ex-GMs that they have in their front office, they're on the same page. Uh, the, the, the coaching staff is young, hungry. A lot of these guys come from the college ranks, so they're not into the drama either. They, they, I, I feel like in a lot of ways, Brian runs this organization like a high-level college organization, like, like, like a program almost that – uh, players know what's expected of them. They know how to speak to the media. They know how to comport themselves on and off the field. And you just don't see a lot of this red meat drama that we had uh, in years past. So will that make you alone a winner? No, but it, it's hard to win when you're fighting with yourself and the opponent. And I don't think that's a problem anymore. No doubt. Hey, a couple of years ago, they go through the breakdown. You know, they, they make the big trades. Uh, you know, they, they kind of strip this roster. You get through a season where it was remarkably a better season than most people expected. And so now you've gone through the first year of rebuilding this football team after breaking it down. How do you feel the progress is of, of where this organization is, is moving right now? And I know this year is going to be a kind of a little crazy year between now and the time the season starts. But as far as where this team is right now and what they've been able to do over the past year. Well, there's no question that they're head of schedule, right? I mean, five and eleven their first year was a surprise because of the talent level that they they had on the team, uh, and then this past year, you know, starting fits for six games, then rolling with Tua and having a bunch of new pieces and no offseason because of the pandemic. Uh, I, I think ten and six was the ceiling for that team. I think they played about as well as they could with the roster composition they had, with the amount of time they had for, to prepare with a rookie quarterback playing two thirds of the season. But I'll say this, Bo, uh, none of that matters in 2021. Uh, th this is the time now that you take that next step. They had 11 draft picks or whatever it was. The leap between year one and year two is when, what you're going to be as a pro, more or less. Uh, they need 2021 to be a, a better year, a playoff year. They need to see development out of Tua. They need to see all these rookies, rookie offensive linemen start to gel and play well. Um grading on a curve is probably the wrong way to put it, but certainly there is a degree of understanding the first two years of what the, what the organization was going through. Uh, I think that grace period's over and they have to win now. There was no doubt about it. And, you know, you, they, you talk about the, the, the one thing about this staff though, that, that, that to me uh, feels good about it, uh, that I feel good about is the fact that I, I think unlike some years past and some staffs past, I think we've seen a staff that has made people get better. They, they, they're. I think they've done a really good job of developing players. We saw the Andrew Van Ginkles and the, mm -hmm. the Gusecki's and, and these guys really make a, ju a jump from year one to year two. So that being said, I kind of expect the, this offensive line guy, these these three offensive linemen that were rookies, to really make that big leap and, and help solidify an offensive line. That being said, when you take an inventory of this team right now, what, what would you feel? Are the top three areas that you need you you need to get better prior to going into the season so you can challenge the Buffalo Bills for an AFC East crown? Okay, it's really easy, Bill. Playmakers, playmakers, playmakers. 
they built the trenches and their offensive line we think is going to be better. Their, their defensive line has a bunch of money and high draft picks in it. They haven't done that at wide receiver and running back so much. They need to score points. They need to be more explosive. I think that'll help too. Uh, certainly him stretching the field more in year two is, is going to have to happen. But just simply having a guy that you can throw a, like an eight-yard hitch to and he makes a guy miss and breaks one for 90 yards, you really didn't see that last year. And and that's, that was the missing piece. So, yes, they're they're going to need to be more explosive. And I think you're going to see them uh, attack that uh, pretty aggressively, both in free agency and the draft. And free agency is now two or three weeks off. And I think you're going to see them go and sign a running back, a, 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 a dynamic wide receiver. And just because they do that in free agency doesn't mean they're not going to also address that in the draft. I think you're going to this will this year will be about giving two of the weapons that he needs to go and 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 prove what he can do because it's an important year for him too. Look, last year as a rookie with no OTAs and all that, you understood a little bit of some of his struggles. You got to see development in year two. You absolutely have to. But in, uh, on the, in the same breath, it's not fair to a quarterback to think he's going to be great if he's if he doesn't have the weapons he needs. And I think Chris Greer knows that. I think Brian Flores knows that. And they're going to spend the next month and a half, two months getting him those weapons. Obviously, from your comments, you're expecting Tua to be the guy this year. But there's this Deshaun Watson hanging out there. Russell Wilson, you know, he's out there and these guys are shopping around. Now, yeah, you haven't. This may be maybe one of the one of the most mobile years for quarterbacks moving from teams and and this and that than we've seen in this in this league in a long time and, and certainly the Dolphins are kind of in that mix I, I tend to believe more my, my feeling is you know you, you invested into a you liked him when you took him with the fifth pick in the draft let's see what he can I'm along your lines let's go out and get him some weapons and see how good Tua can be how do you sit on that Deshaun Watson do you jump in that head first or or do you go the way that you're talking about maybe you know Two first round picks, two second round picks. I'd like to see him come away with two, two, two wide receivers and a running back in that in that situation. That's my there, personal, my yeah. personal Where do you stand? I'm of the opinion that uh this entire exercise has been to get them a franchise quarterback that can win them Super Bowls. So and and Tua might be that guy. Deshaun Watson is that guy. And so if you have an opportunity to get him, I don't know if there's really any price too high to pay. Uh, but I, I don't think it's going to happen because I don't think the Texans are in any mood to trade him. I, I mean, I, I'm not saying the Dolphins don't have interest. They're going to make a phone call on him whenever uh, the Texans relent and actually listen to people who are not even answering their phones now, according to reports. But the Dolphins will be involved in some level. But they can't plan for Deshaun Watson. If it happens, it's a great bonus. It's a huge boon. But what they have to plan for is what they have. And what they have is a top five quarterback from last year. Um, who, who needs some help uh, on the outside. So, look, if, if, if you're asking me if it takes two, uh, two firsts and, and, and another position player to get to Sean Watson, would I do that? Yes, because I think those guys are very rare. He's one of the best three or four or five best players of any position in the league. So, so my argument would be, yeah, he is rare, uh, and, 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 he's in, and he's a franchise guy. He's, he's proven that. Had an MVP type of year on a, on a team that won, what, four games? Um, so if you make that move for him and you bring him to the Dolphins, isn't he just coming to the Houston Texans in a different uniform because he's got another quarterback that doesn't have weapons that, that he can use to advantage? And, and, and so maybe he has another year that's an MVP type year and, and you only win five games. Well, what's, that, that, that's, that's, I guess that's the concern that I have in my mind.
No, I, I totally get that. But I want to circle back to our earlier conversation. The dysfunction that you saw in Houston last year doesn't exist in Miami right now. I mean, it's, it's, it's a much different organization. And I, I would argue that you get to Sean Watson, who threw for almost 5,000 yards with not a lot of great weapons. I mean, Hopkins wasn't there and Stills didn't work out. And Fuller, I think, was hurt for a minute. So it wasn't like they, you know, they had their, their full arsenal. Um, I, I would say Deshaun Watson and a Brian Flores coach defense would compete for Super Bowls every year. And you, and that's why I think they're going to at least consider it. I don't think it's likely. I think it's, it's, it, there's a lot that has to happen to get from here to there. And I think that's why they're wise planning as if two is their guy. And, and it's kind of like found money if, if Deshaun Watson ends up coming to Miami. Yeah, that's, uh, I agree. It's, 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 <laughs> but it, it kind of wouldn't be the Dolphins if there wasn't some kind of a, some kind of a curveball there that you got to look at over the plate coming at you, you know? Well, and I will say this, uh, expect the unexpected with these guys because every year they do something that just, I mean, no one saw the Tunsil trade coming. There are a lot of things that this organization has done that has been outside the box. Uh, and so if there's one team that can pull it off, they certainly have the assets and the, the gumption to do it. It's the Dolphins. But I just think it's, it's, it's such a long shot because Houston's been pretty obstinate now that they don't want to have him traded. No doubt. Hey, um, going forward, Flores, Brian Flores and his staff, um, you know, some change, some changes along the way there. You got a new offensive coordinator, new dual offensive coordinators. And, and uh, to be honest with you, I, I, I'm not, uh, I, I don't know what to expect. You know, haven't seen it in this league before. Uh, it comes down to the question, hey, you get there and, you know, it's the fourth quarter. You need a, uh, you need a touchdown. You're in the red zone. Who makes the call? Uh, it's going to be an interesting, uh, it's going to be an interesting exercise to watch how it unfolds over the course of this next season with two offensive coordinators. Yeah, my guess is this is something that's been discussed at length internally that we just haven't been apprised yet of what's going on. Uh, if I had, were to wager a guess, and again, this is just an educated guess, um, I, I think Godsey will really take the lead on Sundays, but they will together make the, the, the you know the, the game plan together. But my guess is Godsey will be, be making most, if not all, the calls, and he'll be the he'll be the dominant voice on Sundays. Uh, but if it doesn't work, he's, you know, Flores has always got somebody else to turn to in Eric Studesville. So I think they will both be very involved in crafting the game plan, though. All right, Adam. Appreciate you spending some time with us. Uh, hope everything's going well. Hope your family's all well and everybody's safe and continue to be that way as you move on. But uh, looking forward to uh, looking forward to a little bit more normalcy maybe in this season. Not sure what normalcy is going to be moving forward, but uh, it's got to be something a little better than we had last season, I would assume. Yeah, I agree. We got a quiet week coming up, and then after that, it's going to really ramp up into free agency. Hey, maybe I'll break into the uh, to the hard stuff after no, this well, is that's done. What we'll have you on again, and we'll judge how the year's going by the by the, the, the level, of, uh, <laughs> level of liquor in that bottle right there. All right, yeah. Sounds like a plan. All right, pal. Take care. Thanks. Thanks for joining us on the program. All right, anytime. All right, Johnny. So uh, I think Adam pretty pretty much hit on all the uh, all the targets there. The questions are: What are the Dolphins thinking, and where are they going to go? Well, there's a lot of questions to be answered. You know, there, there's a team, when you take a look two years ago at a roster no one wanted in the NFL, uh, you fast forward a year later and you're right on the cusp of the playoffs. And, and now in year three of this rebuild, if you will, for the Miami Dolphins, where does the team go? Do they accelerate? Do, do they you know, go beyond expectations again and, and finally reach the playoffs? Maybe get a, a first round win and continue to go? Or do they... Uh, go a little bit one step back. So there's a lot of questions to be answered. And I think this team 
is trending going forward because that's the way they played. That's the way this, this process usually goes. They continue to get better. And if you have the catalyst at quarterback, and that's always going to be the big question, you can find that guy and the Dolphins think they have. If he gets better from year one to year two, the, the Dolphins should be on the road to success again. Yep. And uh, like uh, like we all could do, just sit and wait. Sit and wait who it's going to be. Uh, you know, I, my uh, my opinion, I'm kind of along the lines with with Adam, is that Tua is going to be the guy. I don't think that Deshaun's going anywhere. And uh, and I'm looking forward to seeing Tua with an offseason, with an ability to go out and throw to some receivers and throw the football uh, prior to training camp starting is, is where he was last year. Well, I think that can only, you know, set you up for success if you're Tua Tungavailoa and you're on the shelf for more than, you know, five, six months, and then you're thrusted into a position where you might not play, you might play, and now you're starting the remainder of the season as a rookie in the National Football League, which is not easy. I think this, this offseason will prepare him not only mentally but physically for the rigors of playing the position, for that practice, for going through training camp, all those little things that people take for granted, all the terminology changes that he's going to have to uh, go about and master because he's the leader of this team. He's the leader on offense. When he steps into the huddle or on that side of the ball, He's got to know everybody. He's got to know what everybody does, where everybody should be, and how to execute under under the pressure of that clock. So there's there's a lot that goes into playing the position no one talks about. And I think Tua, he was born for this, and I think he's ready for this. I'm just I can't wait to see uh, the acceleration where he goes from last year where he was, where he left off, into where he could go in year two. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it myself. My job a lot of plays in 2020. Hopefully that's a precursor to 2021 when we see a lot more big plays and a couple more wins out of the Miami Dolphins, hopefully. We hope so, Bo. And you know what? Next time we talk to Dolphin fans, there may be a couple extra names uh, getting closer to being added to this list in free agency and then, and then the draft coming in April. So a lot of excitement. Even in the offseason, the NFL finds a way to stay relevant. So it's it's exciting times to see where this team and where this organization is going. Yeah, next couple of weeks is going to be uh, one of those big moments for the Dolphins to to see what they do, uh, finish up free agency, and it's going to come in a flurry, and then you turn your attention to the draft, but it's all good stuff moving forward. Hey, John, pleasure being with you again. Look forward to it next time. Sounds great, Bo. All right. You guys stay safe out there and look forward to you next time we come on the air. And remember, uh, the Audible is presented by Auto Nation, America's largest and most recognized automotive retailer. You can save on 100,000 vehicles right now at AutoNation.com. And if you want to watch this on TV, the Audible airs every Saturday, 7.30 on WFOR, CBS4 Miami. And you can also download the podcast from all your favorite streaming platforms, especially MiamiDolphins.com. Stay safe. We'll catch you next time.